Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Uh, Unlike yesterday, our special guest, Neil Aquino, is in the house, and we think that our connectivity is just fine. But anyhow, folks, uh, we'll be getting to Neil in a second. Without further ado, good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, United States of America. And of course, good morning to the world. We are going to have a great show for you today. And, you know, helping us making sure this show gets to you perfectly are our two geniuses in the studio. We are referencing no other or no others than Howard Reynolds and Jack Van Bever. Good morning, my dear genuatic brothers. How are you guys doing today? Ah, uh, you make me laugh. You make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stanley, this is another fine mess you've got me into. Well, all right, <laughs> let's get on with the show. All righty then. Hey, I've got an announcement for you, Egberto. Talk to uh, me, brother. Beginning Monday, beginning Monday, we're going to have a new lineup here on KPFT. Uh, Susan is going to move to three to six in the afternoons with Border Radio. Mm-hmm. Marcus is going to take two days from 9.30 till noon, Monday and Tuesday. Clint Broussard is going to join the fold on a regular basis here for Wednesday and Thursday. And then they're going to throw it to me and so I can mess it all up. I'll be on Fridays from 9.30 till noon with a music show, something I want to call the Request Show. So we're going to take in requests on Monday. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Friday, Friday, you are 9.30 to... You, it happened, folks. Remember, we've been trying to get this guy, Howard, who has a hell of a music a talent to get to get a show on the road. He's doing it. Wow. Well, that's because I'm, they finally ran out of people. Oh, look, <laughs> look, I don't care what the reason is, man. I, I care not what the reason is, folks. You got to make sure to check out Fridays, 930 to noon in the morning it well that starts in the morning ends yeah. at noon that is great brother felicitaciones well, hermano yeah we're going to take in requests and we're going to play start playing some requests around here so you can call in and say i want to hear whatever and i'll find I, whatever i love it i love it i love it great well you know we are we are in great hands on fridays between that well every every day but i mean special every day, you know yeah. uh, howard is special to me so it's between 9 and nine thirty and 12 every i mean on every friday folks we got to check that out okay now we have some wisdom from jack this morning and jack take your wisdom good morning egberto buenos dias hermano mio Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, say something that's Native American that my cousin said to me, uh, Stephen Red Elk. Mm-hmm. Do, not, do not lead because I will not follow. Do not follow because I will not lead. We can walk together on the trail for a while. I love that. That is prescient. That is prescient. Well, look, my brother, thank you guys. And you know what? We're about to start the show. First of all, I want to, before I come and give the title of the show, I just want to tell Neil Aquino, thank you very much for coming back uh, the other day. Sorry to wake you up this early in the morning, but it's great having you here, sir. 
That's great. Good morning, everybody. It's it's excellent to uh, be be back on, and I'm I'm, I'm very appreciative, and no, no problem at all. all. It all works out great. Well, a- excellent, folks. Anyhow, title of the show today is Ratner on GOP Budget, Aquino, Two Local Politicians, and Likely More. Trump went after the poor speaker race. What I mean by speaker race is we have an interest in speaker race going. I'm unlikely to get to all these subjects because likely your call in and so forth will uh, will will be, you know, will take precedence over everything. Plus, there's one particular piece with Steve Ratner that I must get in about the budget that everybody needs to hear. Anyway, good morning, Carol Sanders on the Internet. Uh, good morning, he says. Today is day 1250 of prosecution for trying to save lives. Can't read it all but thank you so kindly for being here anyhow folks um title of the show the subtitle ratner breaks down the utter evil of the gop budget and when you hear the story you're it's going to be quite interesting neil aquino is going to analyze two local politicians and likely a, a, the state of the race we have trump uh, the irs under trump went after poor people not after rich people and the speaker race is a cesspool as we know of course it, it it is a cesspool, but here is the thing, folks. Uh, uh, we can do better. Anyhow, uh, Neil, uh, you had a conversation with a local um, a local politician recently, and you you also uh, take exception to another one who was interviewed by the by the Chronicle. Give us your take. Right. So um, I'm and I'm here uh, with my Houston Democracy Project. I'm seeking to uh, organize, inspire and strengthen uh, progress, uh, pro-democracy coalitions in Houston and Harris County. Houston Democracy Project. Google it. It'll come up as a daily blog and, and, and a website, the Houston Democracy Project. And as part of that effort, I recently was at a community event and I encountered an at large one. There are five at large races in Houston for city council. Julian Ramirez, and I was thinking of you, um, Egberto, as as I did this, because you often talk about reaching out and talking to the other side. So I went up to Mr. Ramirez, who's running for council, and he was very polite, very courteous, kept talking to me after he knew we weren't on the same page. So this wasn't, I'm not looking to get anybody, you know, like Project Veritas or anything. So it was all out in the open. So I walked over to Mr. Ramirez, and one of the first things he said to me was that he was endorsed by the current Houston Council Member Mike Knox. And I told him, well, you know, sir, uh, Councilman Knox has testified before a Senate committee about voters supposedly getting food and water in the voting line and how civic minded election workers should be punished. So I'm just, you know, so he leads off with that. And Mr. Knox actually is running in the Republican Harris County Sheriff primary in 2024. So imagine having a top law enforcement officer with those views. I then asked Mr. Ramirez if he had uh, voted for Biden or Trump, and uh, I didn't expect him to answer this. But on the other hand, you know, you'd think anyone would take the chance to disassociate uh, themselves from from Donald Trump. And we should we shouldn't have this illusion that Houston City Council races are nonpartisan Um, on Mr. Ramirez's website. It says he's endorsed by the Harris County Republican Party. So don't believe that non that nonpartisan stuff. And. He said to me, well, these races are nonpartisan. And I said, no, Republicans don't treat him as such. I asked Mr. Ramirez if he saw democracy as a matter of public safety. And I've been trying to stress the Houston Democracy Project stresses that we talk about a lot of aspects of public safety. 
Um, but if we're not free, we don't have the right to vote. Uh, communities are subject to violence because there's arbitrary politics. That's a matter of public safety. People envision their families and themselves having a future rooted in democracy. Um, in Mr. Ramirez's favor, he ran for judge, he told me, in 2022 and didn't lose by much. He said, I think he said he'd gotten something like 49%, and he did not join the 21 election redo suit. So we've been hearing about the 21. Melior just dropped her phony one against Lena, although she's still going on. And I asked, well, sir, why didn't you join it? And um, he said that there was nothing there. So I thought that was interesting that uh, that a a, a strong Harris County Republican uh, countywide candidate said no. So we had about a 10 minute exchange. And, you know, Mr. Ramirez might might be competent to help administer the city as a council member. And I appreciated him staying out of the lawsuits. But a bottom line remained that even even if this is in some respects a decent man, he wouldn't distance himself from the anti-democratic uh, Republican agenda. He wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, distance himself from Trump. His, the first thing he offers to me is his support from Mike Knox, who's in Austin talking to Senator Betancourt, trying to uh, take over um, our Harris County election. So it was an interesting discussion. I, I followed your uh, your instructions and teachings, Egberto, of, uh, of talking to the Republicans, see where it would go. I found, you know, maybe a decent man. He was patient. He talked. He talked to all the citizens going by. But in the end, he wouldn't wouldn't distance himself from people who, if they had their way, would take our uh, would take our freedom. Look, thank you for th for that. First of all, and and I think that we that the dialogue is something that we we must have, and 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 getting even that information. You found out the guy is on the other side, but he's a decent person, etc. At least you were able to feel these things out. Now, uh, with respect to his uh, opponent, who's opposing him uh, in in the in the race? Glad you asked. So, an at the, so there are five at-large races. This is at-large one. And uh, two of the at-large races, four and five, have incumbents. Letitia Plummer in four, Sally Alcorn in five. In one, um, and these are citywide, there then are 11 districts. Um, in one, Kinshita Reyes um, actually has added democracy to her website after talking to me and the Houston Democracy Project. Um, Kinshita Reyes, if you go to her website front and center are issues of um issues of democracy there are other uh, democratic uh, opponents uh, a, a woman named uh leah walthall and a woman named melanie miles who up until two or three uh, election cycles ago was a demo was a republican um and i keep waiting wait, for melanie, to say, wait melanie miles was a republican yeah. at one time i didn't know that yeah, okay I went because uh, I was, was at an org I was at a conference where she was at, and it interested. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, go ahead. She was voting Republican until 2018, and I, I, I've not heard. I've seen her on this. I've seen her three or four times. She's always giving out cookies. Mm -hmm. I'm not above taking a cookie. Sometimes I've taken two, mm -hmm. um, but I, I've not heard her. She doesn't allude to it. I've seen her at a Spring Branch um, candidate forum. I saw her and other. And she doesn't she doesn't say like she had a conversion on the road. Like, oh, I just I couldn't do that anymore. Um, so it's been suggested. It's you opportunistic. See, that, People have. Yeah, that is very important. She, thought she had a better. 
Neil, what you just said is very important. She didn't come out and say, I used to be this, I did this, etc. I changed, and this is the reason why I changed. When uh, the uh, uh, Mike, right. uh, Mike, Mike uh, uh, from that ran for lieutenant governor, uh, I'm getting old. Why can't Collier. I remember? Mike Collier. When Mike right. Collier, and in fact, you wrote it in his book. When Mike Collier made the change, he, he made that change and he called quite a few of us. He actually called me up and he said, uh, hey, how do I get into the, uh, the this interest in area? And at the time, I was president of the um, the the Democratic organization in Kingwood. And I said, come speak to the group. And uh, he came and he spoke to the group. And that one of the things that he didn't say it at first. So I said, uh-uh. You have to tell everybody what, um, you know, how you came about this, this, this transition. And he went through the entire thing that made him a darling of the people, not because he left from being a Republican to being a Democrat, but the rationale that he used. And, you know, I think this is one person that should eventually become the governor of Texas because again, he has his feet in both air in, in both, uh, in, in both camps, but he understood why he had to place his loyalties somewhere that is more people based. So, I mean, I would want anybody who makes a transition either way to come out and say, this is the reason I'm not just a wishy-washy person. This is the reason I'm making a transition. It's an ideological transition that needed to be made. Right. That I, I agree with that. And I, um, and Mike Collier was welcomed. Um, Mike Collier was, was fully welcomed. I haven't, I haven't heard that. From, and, and, and so in this um, at-large one race, and this is true in one, two, and three, actually. So probably what will happen, I wouldn't be surprised with some Republican support. Mr. Ramirez makes the uh, runoff. If you don't get 50% in our mayoral, our controller, our council races, you have to go to the runoff. And so Mr. Ramirez will probably make the runoff with whatever percent Republican percentage. And then one of those other three Democrats, Conchita Reyes, so I want to give a plug to for, for an, an aggressively embracing democracy, protection of democracy as a campaign issue. Um, and then the other two Democrats, Walf Tall and Miles, uh, who just had her conversion, Miles did, will probably make the runoff um, against Ramirez. And uh, they will probably be on the municipal ballot under uh, Whitmire and Sheila Jackson Lee, probably um, in the runoffs that will be in December. Now, interestingly, um, I am right now. I'm a bit disappointed that we are uh, the fourth largest city is about to have an election in November. And there is so little coverage. And look, yours truly as well. But, you know, the coverage usually gets in started by the politicians actively uh, coming out and doing stuff within all communities. And what I haven't seen in this election is a whole lot of people beating the pavement, saying they really want the job as opposed to just having an election that's going to have a low turnout because nobody is really doing any major campaigning. I don't know if you see it that way or not. Well, it's it's distur- it's, it's really kind of disturbing because um, I, I think turnout may have been 19 uh, percent. Don't hold me to that. In 2019, right. we now right. have four years, you might relatively recently two years. And so what I feel happens is that they have these consultants and the consultants tell the black candidate stick with the black voters and the, the Latino. Right. And you'll see, for, the, for example, the race I just, we just been talking about one at large one uh, uh, 
the, the, the Latino votes for Conchita Reyes. Uh, Melanie Miles is a, is a black woman. Leah Walthall, um, who is, is a white woman, has been talking about unity. Um, and I've, I've asked, you know, I've kind of asked her, unify with who? Um, uh, as we talk about, you know, Republicans or it, it sometimes what I have felt is that some of the Anglo candidates in these races have are so reliant on Republican votes that it inhibits their ability to talk about democracy and some of these um, some of these issues. But it is disturbing. And um, I, I got a text yesterday. The firefighters are out uh, walking for uh, for John Whitmire. I've been getting some mailings, not from Sheila Jackson Lee, though. I've been getting mailings mm-hmm. from John Whitmire and Gilbert Garcia because I have a four vowels in my last name. I get Spanish language right uh, mailings. And so I've actually gotten Spanish mail from Whitmire and Gilbert than I've gotten Garcia than I've gotten from Sheila uh, of, of all pieces from Sheila. I haven't I haven't yet gotten mail from Sheila. And I'm an active is, Democrat. You'd think yeah, I'd be that, probably that, high on that. You know, and sadly, uh, that is that is uh, that is a stratification that is actually within the Democratic Party proper. And I think it is stupid. I hate to use that word. I rarely use it. It is stupid. Every candidate shouldn't be saying, I am going to try to go to my color base, but they should be going to uh, all Houstonians. I'm not trying to be utopian here, but that is that is how that is what we preach as Democrats. We need to start living that as as Democrats that you get. You know, I mean, um, Sheila should be out everywhere. Likewise, uh, Garcia should be out everywhere. I mean, because under that tenet, uh, if if we follow that tenet, uh, Harris County should simply be a run completely and entirely by uh, anybody with a last name like Garcia or Gonzalez or or Marianne or whatever. The thing about it is every politician needs to be in every community, letting folks know what they intend to do for everybody, localized community. Um, I'm glad you said that. Uh, I hope some of these politicians are, are listening. These the Washington consultants. I don't know if you saw some of the articles I wrote about the biggest problem within the Democratic Party is to be listening to ivory tower consultants who has no idea what's really occurring on the ground. The ground sure doesn't look like that. There's a there's a consultant. There's there's I won't name them, but there, there are names here in Houston locally. You hear the same names. Over and over, um, consultant firms, um, and frequently the same consultant will have three, four, five candidates, especially in even year um, elections. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of Houston politics, county politics, seems driven by black brown uh, competitions for votes, competitions for resources, um, and it's it's really disheartening. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. And um, as we face um, a, a universal threat from the Republican Party, that's not a way really to keep us physically safe. No, no. But you're, you're, look, the, the thing about it is anybody, a, any Democrat, I, I'm going to restrict this to say this about Democrats right now, because we know we know the Republican Party has allowed themselves to be controlled by uh, by a, a, a white race, a white supremacy, supremacy text. We know that. I mean, uh, and any Republican wants to call and discuss that, feel free to do so. I'm not speaking to the individual Republican person. I'm saying the leadership of your party has ceded themselves to white supremacists and nationalists. That's a statement of fact. 
But that is, uh, but also the Democratic Party's consultants show who exactly they are because they themselves are not uh, yeah. people who uh, uh, believe in true equality and that we are all in this together. And all. They, they, they still have that backwards 1950s mentality about strata, uh, you know, uh, breaking things apart, which in itself create friction among people. I watch that when you go to some some of the CCC meetings for the Democratic Party, etc. We got to get rid of those types uh, of divisions. Gosh. We have to do that. That is a must. So Democrats that are listening, wake up. Wake up. All right. Anyway, Neil, I, there's a piece that I want to play now. I want to change the subject now onto um, uh, this part that I told you about, and then we'll go ahead and start taking phone calls. But anyway, folks, check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Recently, Martin Joe had a great piece on on the budget that I think everybody needs to see. So what I did is I cut little segments of it to kind of make it flow a little bit better for folks who think they know about the budget and what needs to be cut and what doesn't need to be raised as far as taxes can get a picture. This is important. Take a look at this and then we'll take it on the other side. Steve Ratner, so glad to have you here. Why don't we start with how much the House and the Senate plans clash and how difficult it is to actually synthesize those two plans? So you remember that back in the spring when, when we almost defaulted on our debt, there was an agreement between the White House and the Republicans as to what spending would look like for this coming year. And it's what we're talking, when we talk about spending, we're talking about non-defense discretionary, meaning we don't talk about Social Security, Medicare, a lot of the, a lot of parts of the budget. I'm going to show you that in a second. We talk about things like the transportation department or housing department and so forth. So out of that pool of money, the deal between the president and the Republicans back in the spring was to make a $2 billion reduction. We would spend $2 billion less in the fiscal year that just started over this past weekend than we spent in the previous fiscal year. The Senate Republicans and Democrats are bipartisan they agreed on actually increasing spending by $4 billion. They put some money back for a few things that they thought were important. McCarthy came up with a bill that he hoped would pass the House that involved $60 billion of spending. The hard right, the MAGA group, whatever you want to call them, killed that bill. He came back with a continuing resolution that would involve cutting $196 billion of spending they rejected that bill too. And that is where we are now. But let me put those numbers in perspective for you. As a share of our economy, obviously the original two deals that we talked about, very small effect on our, uh, on, uh, not on the economy, but on our spending. The McCarthy bill would have cut spending in this category by 9%. The House continuing resolution would have cut spending in this category by a full 30%. And I'll show you in a bit what some of those implications are. So Steve, let's move over to your second chart about where the money's coming from. The proposed uh, bill here was $60 billion uh, of proposed cuts, massive reductions in uh, non-discretionary funding. Right, because they can't touch that. And let me just show you how small a part it is. So you have here, uh, this is our non-defense discretionary, only 14% of the budget. Defense, which you theoretically can cut, but nobody wants to, 12% of the budget. But all the rest of this stuff, Social Security, Medicare, 
other kinds of uh, aid to people who are uh, who are suffering, and then a bunch of other stuff, and then interest on the debt. Of course, we can't cut, and they're fighting over this tiny little sliver of Ukraine aid, which is more symbolic than substantive, obviously. So you're cutting out of this little piece of the budget. And so the consequences of that are something like Title I education, 77% cut. Women, infants, children, it's a form of kind of like food stamps, 70% cut. Affordable housing, 66% cut. And so on and so forth. The Labor Relations Board, 33% cut. Uh, water quality, 55% cut. So the math is almost impossible. How do you, how do you reconcile? And this is the smaller of the two. This is the 60, the 60 billion dollar one. Imagine if you tried to do the 196 billion dollar one, which they haven't even laid out the specifics of. So this would really gut, and this is what they're trying to do, of course, this would gut uh, so many functions of the government that so many Americans depend on. Yeah, we're talking about things like uh, grants for low-income schools, water quality, etc. So let's look at that third chart. Steve, how does the debt and deficit play into this? As we've said many times, the last administration under Donald Trump in just four years added nearly $8 trillion to the debt. Uh, What does it look like now and how does it affect this conversation? So, look, we do have a deficit in the debt problem. That, that much of this is legitimate and fair. Our debt, our deficit this past fiscal year was $2 trillion in the federal government. It's going to be $2 trillion again this year. And you can see here the deficit, which is this whole space in here. And so what happened? Basically, we kept our revenue share of the government, of the size of the economy roughly flat. We did cut a bunch of taxes. You can see the Bush, the George W. Bush tax cuts. You can see the Trump tax cuts. So we held down our revenues, but meanwhile, our spending was exploding. And so we end up with $2 trillion deficits. And that, of course, turns into debt. We have $33 trillion of debt uh, at the moment in this country. And let's just show where that came from. All the way from 1776 until Bush took office in 2001, we accumulated, and that includes fighting wars, World War II, $5.7 trillion of debt. And then you can see every president since then has added a huge amount of debt. Trump, as you just said, Willie, $7.8 trillion of debt in one term far less than, for example, Barack Obama uh, across the two terms as a proportion, and Biden so far, $4.6 trillion. So you can see these are, these are just unsustainable amounts of debt that we're adding, but you can't really do it by cutting all that other stuff. It's just too much, uh, it's too much deficit relative to what you have available in those discretionary programs. Well, yeah, and, and Steve, that's always been the problem. It's always been the problem. And, and it's something that we dealt with going all the way back to 1995 when we were talking about balancing the budget. People say, oh, we'll take from foreign aid. We'll take from food stamps. We'll take from this. Way. No, no, no. It, it's, it's Social Security. Medicare, Medicaid, defense spending, and now more, uh, a hell of a lot more than what we had to worry about in the 90s when we were trying to balance the budget, interest on the debt, and the massive tax cuts to the richest Americans that Trump gave us a couple of years ago. You, you look, you look at, at, at the richest Americans, they have much better tax treatment than working class Americans or small business owners or entrepreneurs who are just starting up. A lot of workers in states like New York, Connecticut, 
uh, New Jersey, Illinois, California, they're paying 50, 51, 52, 53, 54 percent of every dollar that they make to taxes. Whereas you got people in Wall Street paying 15, 16, 17 percent, these billionaires. It's just it's insanity. We're not we're not going to balance the budget with these yahoos saying, oh, cut food stamps. Cut foreign aid. That's just a small, small proportion of our budget. Yeah, look, we have a two trillion dollar deficit and all that other stuff over there uh, only adds up to less than two hundred billion dollars. And it would completely, completely and utterly gut the federal government in terms of what it does. So, yes, we're not going to even get close to balancing the budget. You know, Joe, look, you said it right. The conundrum is we've got all the stuff that nobody feels we can cut. So you've got this little sliver you're dealing with and spending has been going up by a rapid rate. Taxes, as you point out, we've been cutting and cutting, cut, tax cut, tax cut. And so tax revenues have not been going up as a share of the economy. And you got to do something. You've either got to deal with taxes. And I agree with you about where the money should come from. There are a lot of rich people not paying their fair share. Or you've got to deal with making some changes in here. But otherwise, you're never going to get this deficit down to anything that looks like a balanced budget, let alone something that actually is a balanced budget. What is interesting is when Joe, first of all, Joe uh, uh, has made a big progress in the way he thinks over the years. Now he actually believes that billionaires should pay their fair share in taxes. But one of the other things that they point out is, look, if we want to make changes, uh, we have to go at the big programs. And they're actually right. Some of those big programs need to grow a little bit bigger. And some of those programs can be a lot smaller if we use sensible policies. Example, if we have Medicare, uh, well, let's call it single payer healthcare system, where we take the for-profits out of healthcare where they don't belong, we could probably cut that Medicare bill in half. And we can go through that because it's not only about the cost of insurance, et cetera, that, that pilfers up for 28 to 30%. It also includes medicines that we already paid for and developed. So that is one huge savings. There is some, there are some increases in social security that we probably need because a a lot of folks, social security is just too small, but that compensated by the, uh, by raising the taxes on the billionaires who make the vast majority of the income in this country would make a big difference. And likewise, we can make sure that we have the Medicaid working more efficiently. Why again? Because we take the private sector out of it. Here in Texas, a lot of Medicaid is actually administered by private sector companies, which inherently make things more expensive. So there are a lot of things that we can do immediately to solve the problems that we're talking about will bring the budget deficit done down. And the last thing that I want that we need, and and they're trying to make a Supreme, they're trying to make it illegal in the Supreme court. They're trying to pass a constitutional amendment here in Texas to do what again, to make a wealth tax impossible. The truth of the matter is this country's wealth was built by all of us. There must be a wealth tax on the rich as well. There is already a wealth tax on all of us. When you have any kind of property, that's your wealth. You are paying a tax on it. You have a home. That's your wealth. You are paying a tax on it. You have a car. That's your wealth. You're paying a tax on it. 
there are various things that we pay taxes on based on what we have. And why do we have wealth taxes? Why do we have income taxes? The more you have, it means the more of society you were able to benefit of. Yes, you do have your own personal initiative as well. But again, a percentage of that is just a mere existence of society. So folks, there are a lot of ways we could balance the budget rather quickly. We could do it rather in uh, in a manner that doesn't hurt people. In a matter that doesn't even hurt the billionaires. The only difference is that they'll see a few less billion dollars in their coffers, billions that they won't spend anyway. As I tell people all of the time, there's a certain kind of psychopath that defines a billionaire. Absolutely. There's a certain kind of psychopathy that is the billionaire, the billionaire class. And I, and I speak about Every single billionaire. I don't know if anybody recently heard what Jay-Z had to say. We know that Trump is a creep, a billionaire that cares about nobody. We know that uh, uh, Teal, we know that the the the, the, Cole, the, the uh, brothers, uh, the Hunt brothers and all these other guys that own billions, they are creeps. They didn't earn it. Others earned it for them. But the, what hurt me the most recently was a TikTok I saw on Jay-Z who went to his family house and at one of his uh one of his, his his cousins or something comes up to him and say hey man i just i need five thousand dollars to go ahead and start this project that i want to work on and when and, and jay-z is talking to i don't remember the other star and said yeah they don't understand it doesn't work that way you have to uh, work for it or earn it's bs jay-z made a whole lot of money on a whole lot of rappers he didn't pay uh, appropriately he he got he was a parasite like every billionaire who made his fortune on other people's back all right all these singers that are now big star it just shows you that the billionaire class has nothing to do with race etc any the, the capitalist structure is what creates the cancer that allows people the way they that they that they are they just can't get enough but again good for a ludicrous who said when family members and others came to them and said, hey, I, I'm trying a new project. Hey, much was given to Ludacris in, in, in that he made a lot of money. And you know what he said? OK, uh, guy, I'll send you to school. So whatever project that you are working on, you would be good at. I will help you build yourself. Folks, we got to get this right. Come on in art. Art, you're on. Uh, you hear me all right? Yes, sir. So, regards to the the Democratic Party, uh, the Republican Party, the local, which your, mm-hmm. your your previous subject, I've noticed the same. Like, I'm getting uh, flyers or whatever uh, from um, Whitmore and um, mm-hmm. the, the, man, I don't want to say it like this, but the bald guy, oh, I don't know his name. Yeah, Whitmore, Whitmore is a bald. I'm not Garcia. You mean Garcia. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, that's good. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I only get it from them. I'm like, where's Sheila Jackson Lee? What's what she's standing on? I don't know what she stands on for anything for the mayor position. And what demographic do you belong to, Art? What do you mean? Are you a white guy, black guy, Latino? What are you? I'm the last of the Chicanos, man. Twitter Chicano. Okay. Uh, okay. The, the reason I, I yeah. asked that because what Neil said, he noticed and Neil can re- I, uh, say this. I don't this. look at that. I don't, I don't, I don't look at people that, you know, like Garcia, like I'm supposed to just give him my vote because 
His last name got shit. I think that's very stupid. There's no thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Now, yeah, I see less of that now. So now we look at yeah, well, Martin Luther King talked about you know just looking at the character of the person, and mm-hmm. you know all you know politics politicians they all have their 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 schemes or whatever on both sides, and I'll give them a you know I'll give them leeway on that, but I want right. to know what their staff going on with yeah. the prop, you know the fire department, uh, you know what's going on with you know we got all these um, um, uh, busted main lines, you know what's taking right. so long with that pressure the right. water pressure on my so. You know, so who's going to fix that? What's their stance on that? What are we going to do about this? Are we still going to, should we still stay, stay a sanctuary city or should we not? You know, there's things that I'm not, don't know where these candidates stay. My my point and my question is, why do you think that? I mean, has the, has the, Demo- has the, has the uh, way to get the vote changed from back in the day where boots on the ground, people passing out, you would see them in malls, see them at the Sears, the Wieners. And I know, would, you know, sign up to register. You don't see that no more. So is it all digital now? That's my really my question. Uh, Neil, rely on social media. Neil, how do you answer that? Because, but before you answer, Neil, before you answer, um, Art, I am so happy that you said it as a as, as a caller that you want folks to to call to, to to reach you not because of your ethnicity, but reach you because of the things they want to do for you. And that's what I think Neil and I were speaking about earlier in the conversation. These guys need to leave the consultants and start going into the community, as you're talking about. Go ahead, Neil. Right. I would say in, in municipal elections, especially also in Democratic primaries, uh, Harris County Democratic primary next March. Um, the, the advice is given uh, by by the paid consultants to pursue people who look like you or who may have the last name as a uh, similar last name. I, excuse me. Excuse me. I said I get Latino pieces. I'm Italian. Um, so I get this stuff, uh, even though I don't fit the demographic. So people are just lumped in a group and get the mailing. Um, and then there's a slightly different um, a pitch that they make. But in the, the, the municipal elections are such low turnout, especially in years where there's not a really contested mayor's race, like four years ago where Mayor Turner was pretty easily defeating Tony Busby. That the And, th- and then there's a calculation made. So we talked in at-large one, there's a black candidate, a Democrat, a, a Latino Democrat, a a uh, white Democrat, and they're all sort of calculating with each other. Uh, what's the racial calculus to get me into the runoff with the Republican, the, the Mr. Ramirez? And it's it's the same thing over and over and over and over in our municipal politics. And you'll see it when the fi- when the filing in December comes for the Harris County Democratic Party. You'll see the same calculations. Um, you'll see a lot of these judicial races where there's a, a Hispanic a candidate, a black candidate. And you'll also often see in the voter um, results, you'll see the calculations people made. Well, this was a white man and this was a, uh, you know, an Asian woman. How do I vote? And so one one thing that could happen is that the electorate could could be a little more involved in in figuring people out just beyond a kind of Archie Bunker. There's a famous Archie Bunker episode. I won't get into it, but he he just, you know, says, oh, I got one of these, one of these, one of these, one of these, you know, and uh, and and does it. So we yeah. could do a little better. Yeah. But the politician- yeah. Go ahead, Art. Yeah. Art, go ahead. 
No, I was just saying that was in season two. I'm a big, I still watch All in the Family. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, look, guys, I need to go to the co- the caller base is getting full, but I, th- I, I thank you for that, Art right, and uh, Neil. All right, let's go to Tag real quickly. Uh, come on in, Tag. Morning, Egberto. How are you? All right. Good morning, Tag. Talk to me, my brother. I'm very skeptical of these people that say they want to balance the budget. I, I just don't believe it for a minute because every time that they cut services, taxes don't go down. And I mean, for us, regular people, taxes don't go down. But not only that, but then the, the insanely wealthy uh, get these huge tax cuts in. And so in the, in the deficits just continue to rise. So um, I, I'm not in favor of uh, these people that say they want to about balance of budget and use that as an excuse to cut our, our, we, we never, our property taxes never go down and schools suffer, you know? So that's what I want to say, Alberto, and I'm going to go. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comment tag. And, and, and by the way, uh, the, uh, it was the Republicans under, uh, I don't remember a uh, Cheney that came out and, and confessed deficit doesn't matter. In effect there, he is saying he believes in MMT, uh, 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 modern monetary theory, because they do realize that the only time deficits matter, if you have a disparity or a scarcity uh, that doesn't mean uh, if you have scarcity, which means, uh, you don't have, the, the, the right kind of, uh, of efficiency in your economy. We, we do have that. The inflation that we had was not created really by scarcity, but by corporate greed. They understand that. Thank you, Tag. Let's go to Steve. Yeah. Bye-bye. Hey, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good morning, Steve. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, congrats to Howard for uh, doing Oh, getting on the show, and I guess we'll miss Rourke, but uh, I'll request some Pavarotti from Howard, see if that gets on. Anyway. Well, um, Howard thanks. is darn good, so you'll have fun, my friend. Anyway, come on in, Steve. Let me hear your question. Neil, for some reason, we just dropped Neil. I don't know if I, he had some connection problems or not. Maybe he'll be back. Go ahead. Okay. So my question, I was happy that Neil was on, and hopefully he'll get back on, uh, because I get to hear... Uh, all these national politics about uh, Trump and Biden, and that just doesn't really affect my day-to-day living um, unless I let it. And so I was kind of curious to see what Neil's uh, takes were, pros and cons on on John Whitmire versus Sheila versus uh, uh, whatever whoever the top Republican candidate for Houston mayor is. And if he can't get on, maybe Egberto, what what your take is, please. Yeah, well, I have issues with, um, with, uh, first of all, I am not per se a Whitmire supporter. Now, I am a supporter for whichever uh, progressive or so-called progressive that makes it out. Uh, but my first choice in this election would actually, and, and let me take my my host hat off because I can't give political advice. But my personal uh, vote is for Sheila simply because Again, I think it's t- I, I, I like the idea of having women take charge right now. Number one. Number two, I am for the most progressive person that we can get in in, in the office, because in, in effect, it's a uh, it, 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 Houston is a progressive city. Uh, so that is the reason I'm applying the support, the sole reason. Now, all the candidates that are running on the Democratic side. 
actually are very good candidates. Some more uh, more centrist than I would like, but they're all good candidates. Uh, thanks, yeah. Right now, being a white middle-aged male, I lean more towards uh, Sheila just because I'd rather have her be a thorn with uh, Abbott until we vote him out. But that's just my take. Well, you know, that's again, you know, I, I had a few of my friends call me uh, yesterday talking about Whitmer. They're supporting Whitmer. And my my goal is not to change anybody's, uh, you know, like I said, uh, what we have to have is a good person in the office. And I think there are a lot of good people running for the office. My particular selection is uh, 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 Representative Sheila Jackson Lee for mayor of Houston. But others have others. And, you know, that's just fine. We'll see whoever campaigns the best, whoever points out what they intend to do for the city that goes across the best will win. Uh, thank you, thank Steve. You, thank you, um, you have a wonderful day. All right, let's go to Melissa. Melissa, good morning. Oops, so, uh, you'll be on in a second, Melissa. Uh, you're going to go hot right now. You're on now, Melissa. Good morning, Alberto. Good morning, Hayson. Alberto, Alberto, Alberto. Let me give yes, you the key. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I what's happening. Okay, so... Like we citizens are smart, right? So we mm-hmm. feel like we don't need to vote our color, right? We feel that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the major system is wanting us to bet our color. So mm-hmm. they don't they don't have their represent the representatives to go out because I honestly feel like Sheila Jackson Lee is strong, but honestly she can't come to the black community. And and say no, you know, crap about oh, we gonna promise this and promise that and promise that. Matter of fact, none of the candidates can come, right? So mm-hmm. now the candidates, I feel like the top candidates are scared to the, come to the white people because the white people talking about their mortgages. They can't come to the Latino community because the Latino community talking about the water and the 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 situation, the you know neighborhood situation they living in, and then the black people doing both. We we like you know. What the fuck? We can't. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, can't use that word. We got a mortgage issue. We got all these kind of issues. So I feel like the 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 candidates are like really really hush and hoping that you just vote your color. And I want to challenge Houston and Sheila if you're listening to me. If you don't start, somebody don't start talking. It's gonna be problems out here. Like you're not gonna get in because we're not we're 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 done with that. We're done with the people appeasing us. Okay. Now, Melissa, I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you said it the way you said it. Uh, I think Sheila should be out here in Kingwood campaigning. You know, I live in a mostly white community. Sheila should be out here in Kingwood. Uh, uh, Sheila should be out in the barrios. Sheila should be out everywhere. And and the same applies to Whitmar. Whitmar should be at, at exactly. every single black community church that you have out there, every exactly. Latino church. I think they all should be. And, and that is what the Democratic Party preaches, Melissa. Unfortunately, too many of the old fogies are not doing it. So I can hear in your voice and I hope. Sheila and everybody hear in your voice what you just said. Stop listening to the consultants. We are uh, we're we're not colorblind, but we are we don't vote by color. So thank you very much for saying that, Melissa. You have a great rest of your day. All right, let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny. 
a quick aside before I address the previous call's uh I think Melissa's concerned because yes. her concern frustration is exactly mine. Uh, but quickly, I want to talk about Rudy Giuliani and uh, bulb, light bulb head John Whitmire. Yes. You notice that Giuliani, because now he's so desperate for money, he's, he's got no cash flow, as far as we can tell. Now he's decided to sue Joe Biden for damaging his reputation. And what is the basis of his lawsuit? Something that one sentence that candidate, presidential candidate Joe Biden said in October of 2020. And I'm saying to myself, well, why did you wait this long, Giuliani, to make this lawsuit? It's because it's not that important to you. And likewise, John Whitmire, his campaign, one of his campaign messages is that he's concerned about crime and he shows a photograph of himself from. Three decades plus ago when he had a young child and he had hair. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You became a, uh, uh, a senator, I, I guess not too long after that. Why are you referencing something that happened to you long ago? It's, it, looks, it makes for a bad optic. It makes people think about right. Rudy Giuliani's this lawsuit. Your campaign has no basis. Johnny, that, I, Johnny uh, I have five of other callers, so wrap it up for me real quick. You no. Know, now, that's why I will say that I am sick and tired of seeing every campaign for mayor from every candidate for decades all look and sound alike. They all talk about war and crime, and that's it. They don't address the fact that we need a progressive you nationwide. So we'll talk about money. that on Monday. Monday, Monday. We talk about that on Monday. Thank you, Johnny. We'll talk about that on Monday, but you're absolutely right. Let's go to Bard real quickly. And Bard, I only can give people 45 seconds now. Come on in, Bard. Okay. Well, I was glad to hear Melissa's call. She actually made sense uh, with regarding Sheila Jackson Lee. Now, Egberto, you don't. There's no reason for you to vote for Sheila Jackson Lee, except you haven't been affected by the city of Houston because you live in Kingwood. Kingwood's treated differently. Uh, I, I want to know who Neil's going to vote for. Okay, Neil is not on air right now, and I'm glad that you said that, um, Bard, because what you're saying is true, in fact. And that is, in as much as Kingwood is in the city of Houston, when Kingwood have problems, in fact, Mayor, Mayor, uh, our current mayor, when the flood came, that big flood, before he went to Studiwood and all these other places, he was in Kingwood, and the people in Kingwood was very disrespectful to him. Uh, but still, everybody caters to Kingwood and you can understand why. And that is what Melissa talks about changing. That is what I talk about changing. And I, I you know, maybe at another day we discuss uh, why you think what you think about Lee. But I'm going to ask you to, you know, I'm going to go to another caller now. But I, I thank you for your call because well, what you said makes sense. Issue, the number one yes. issue is crime. And yes. Sheila's not going to do anything about that. She's never the, done anything for. Okay, hold hold on a second, Bart. Bart, one one thing I, I, we talk about that on Monday as well. But the number one issue isn't crime. That's what the media would have you believe. The number one issue isn't crime. We'll talk about that another day. Let's go to David. David, you're on. I am on. Okay, I'm looking at two political flyers I got in the mail. One from Garcia and one from Sheila Jackson. I just heard a previous caller talk about Sheila Jackson. He's never done anything about crime. Okay, let me read the Garcia one. Three things he says here. As 
municipal plan to fix crime. Number one, more community policing. Number two, more lighting on our streets. And number three, quicker response times. I think it's kind of oversimplistic. Here's what Sheila Jackson-Marie says, and she's got a broad platform that she's, that she's advertising on her flyers. She says, number one, you know, big adding, it's smart on crime. Work with police and train promote new detectives. Deploy mental health professionals to respond to mental health crises so that police can focus on truly violent offenses. And then expand youth jobs so young people have an opportunity to thrive within the law. Okay, stop right there, David. Stop right there. Let me tell you, you you just said something very sensible. And thank you so kindly. I was going to cover some of that on Monday, but you said it in in a few sentences. And it came from Sheila Jackson's flower that I didn't see. But when I when I told uh, Bard that crime is not the number one issue, you just nailed it right there. You solved the problems that call you. You solve the underlying problems of crime, and then you don't get crime. Uh, the Republican orthodoxy is usually you have crime, you put them away. That then costs more money to put them away. If you solve the problem before crime occurs, meaning education, uh, a work, food, all these things stop. Crime. Thank you, David, for pointing okay. that out. Because Thank of time, real quick, real quick, real quick. In, in, in the state of Texas, the Texas prison system is a very lucrative business. Thank you. Now, people don't know how much money that that. Brother, I do know, and a lot we are trying to teach people that it's crime is a business for for people, and the same ones that are talking against it. Thank you, David. Let's go to Harry real quick. Harry, come on in, brother. Uh, hello, Alberto. Well, I'll just say this real quickly. Um, uh, Johnny kind of answered it for me, but uh, we do have to get a progressive tax code. We've got to vote in more progressives so you can take that tax code back up so that these uh, corporations cannot rip people off and get these tax cuts and that they will uh, pay their fair share so we can have some of these, uh, we can continue to have these social programs the, the way we have them that people need, and, and uh, we have more tax coming into the system. Thank you very and much, I'll, Harry. Got to go to Brian. Uh, I appreciate your call as usual, and I appreciate your talk. Brian, come on in, sir. Yeah, you're, you're kind of correct. You, uh, you stop the crime before it happens, and uh, that's exactly what Trump tried to do with the border, correct? No, No, that's not what he did at all. That's not what he did. What he did is he went ahead and wanted to put a wall up. Putting a wall up isn't solving the problem. The solving the problem with immigration would have meant going to Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, uh, Venezuela and and given actually put in more that that wall money would have done much better if you gave it to those countries to mitigate the problems that not only we have caused but other folks have caused climate change have caused why the migration is occurring out here many other there are many reasons for the migration if you solved it at that location the people would not have made that arduous trip to make it to the state so no he did not do that brother brian no, 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 no. You are completely incorrect. Completely what, incorrect. Climate what's incorrect about it? Nothing to do with what climate I, change. Okay, sir. And, and, and that is the reason why I said we must work from uh, from a basis of fact. The reason Guatemalans and others are coming here is that their farming has failed. And some of what our industry has done to the for, to the peasant farmer 
in these Central American countries. I'm sure based on what you're saying, you know nothing about that because it's not in our newspapers, in our media over here. So our right wingers can tell you anything. And like I just told, like like David just said, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like I just told David. Nobody goes ahead and goes to the genesis of the problem, where the problem starts. You are claiming Trump went to where the problem starts. I am telling you why you were wrong to make that statement. If you wanted to solve the problem, you would have gone to the Central American and South American countries, invest the money there. Those people wouldn't have made the arduous trips here. It's that simple. So the Panama Canal was not built by us? The Panama Canal was built by America. America caused the independence of Panama by making it split from from Colombia after Colombia denied America the access to the canal. The Americans forced themselves to build the canal by putting. Wait a minute. You asked the question. I'm answering the question. America forced the build of the canal illegally again because it it, it created an independence. Anyway. Uh, thank you so kindly, folks. Let's go to the control room for a final word. Oh, the final word is Jack's wisdom here. Let's uh, let's get Jack on. Come on, Jack. Harm reduction is what we need to start thinking about. Take care of the people before they're on the doles and have to resort to crime to feed themselves. Balance the budget on. Don't balance the budget on the backs of the people. Thank you, my brother. Look, folks, we lost Neil Aquino and he tried to get back in. And for some reason, he couldn't get back in. I don't understand. But I want to thank Neil Aquino for being here. I want to thank Jack Van Beber. I want to thank Howard Reynolds and also congratulate uh, Howard Reynolds on his new show on Fridays at between 930 and noon. I don't know what he's going to call his show yet. Do you have a name for it yet, Howard? Uh, The show. <laughs> All right. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you, listeners. Thank you, callers. Thank you, everyone. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.